Hey everyone, welcome to the Promise Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to like us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at My Promise Church. And to see what else is going on around here at Promise, please visit us at mypromisechurch.com. We hope this message you're about to listen to ministers to you and changes your life. Enjoy. across this house, you just lift your hands. I believe anything is possible. I love what Erica said. It echoed my heart from last week that God inhabits, He dwells upon. I remember the verse last week said He is enthroned, meaning He sits down. He puts His throne upon our praise. I believe if we'll honor Him today, He'll stop by this house. I believe if we praise Him, anything is possible. I believe if we make Him comfortable and give Him a throne upon our praise, this house becomes His house. This place becomes a place of His presence. And I wonder if right now, all over this house, you just begin to praise Him in your own way, with your own voice. Come on, with the fruit of your lips right now in your own way. I'm not telling you to shout, but I'm telling you to speak. I'm not telling you to shout, but I'm telling you from the depths of your soul, just tell him, Lord, I praise you. I love you. I magnify you. I give you my heart. I give you my hands. I bow my knee. I lift my voice just to say one more time, you're my savior. You're my king. You're the Lord of lords and the king of kings. I praise you in this house. Come on, let your name be known to him right now. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need your strength today. I need your touch today. I need your anointing upon my life, God. I praise you in this place. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. Give him a thanksgiving praise one more time. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Man, what a great crowd this is on a holiday weekend. I want to release you back to your seat. I'm going to open up here today to John chapter 5. What a great uh, crowd it is on a holiday weekend. I know in the state of Florida that you could be in a lot of different places. Uh, I still remember one... um, I still remember one good brother had a sticker on his truck that said, I wasn't born in Florida, but I got here as soon as I could. And that is the story of my life. Um, And I'm glad that it's a holiday weekend. And I'm glad there's barbecues and cookouts and ice cream trucks and boats and beaches and roller coasters. But I want to tell you, all those things are more blessed Because you're in the house of God this morning. And I'm just going to prophesy that that burger or that hot dog or that ice cream truck is going to be even better and less caloric in Jesus' name. Because we started the weekend right here. How many say amen to that? I got some. If you don't say amen to anything else, you ought to say amen to that, right? Uh, I'm glad you're here. I'm joking, but I'm glad you're here. Um. I want to give you one quick thing before we dive in. Um, first Wednesday, I know it uh, seems like First Wednesday falls a lot of times after holiday weekends, um, but I would love for you to be back here Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. We have an hour-long service. The, we crank the band up, um, and um, it's, it's a service where our 9 and our 11 can be together. I want to fill the house on Wednesday. Uh, it really can be a, a shot in the arm and a blessing of, of growth and unity for our church. And I think there's a lot of people in the church that might just disqualify themselves and say, well, I'm not a Wednesday person or my family's never gone on Wednesday. I want to challenge you to break out of that this Wednesday. So I don't know what it would be that would stop you, um, but throw chicken nuggets, I've said before, at the kids on the way in. Uh, or promise some chicken nuggets on the way home. I don't know what it is. 
Come in your work boots. Come in your suit and tie. Come in your uniform. I don't care. Just be in the house of God. Come as you are on Wednesday night. And, um, and we get you in and out in an hour or so. And, um, you know, get the kids to bed and all that good stuff that you may have for Thursday morning. But I'd love to see you first Wednesday. Um, I want to say, too, this is Life Group Sunday. I'm going to continue in my message series on miracles. Um, but I'm going to wrap it all together at the end with the help of the Lord. Um, but I love what Tom and Erica said. Um, it's all of that I say amen to. I won't repeat it. Life groups are important for you and your family. Um, and it's, it's a uh, lifeblood of, of the ministry here. And I'm, I just want to say I'm so grateful for Tom and Erica Malenko that lead this group with um, passion and excellence. And I love and appreciate them so much, more than I could ever say. Um, but I love them, and so if you're a life group leader, they lead the life group leaders and that whole ministry, and I'm so thankful for them. We're going to have a good time. I'm not going to bring an altar call to the front today. Um, in reality, we kind of already had that, which was a wonderful thing, but my altar call is going to be to the tents outside. That's a good thing. An altar call to an ice cream truck and tents is, is a good thing, so um, that's the altar call today. And the last thing I want to say before I read is um, pardon the dust we are building a playground over there for the kids' ministry um, and the preschool uh, ministry. Um, so there's some dust, but just pardon it. Hopefully it'll be all gone uh, and, and everything up um, by next week. Um, I had flashbacks. Any of y'all were around here in like 2016. I had flashbacks of when we were doing the parking lot um, and just kind of walking through mud to get in church. Um, but we, uh, we're in good shape and... Um, so there'll be a playground over there next week. And uh, so anyways, if you saw some dirt or dust, that's what it was. Things are in process, and, uh, and that's actually always a fun thing to see. Let me go to John chapter 2, verse 11. This has been my foundational verse for this message series. Um, and um, as Erica said at the offering time, these signs, these wonders, these miracles were done to reveal his glory. And it's in this foundational text right here. We started, if you, if you weren't with us, I'd love for you to catch up because I know it's been summertime. It's been a great summer revival. Um, and, um, but this was the first miracle where Jesus turned water into wine. And it said that this was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and the disciples believed in him. So I want to go, I'm, I'm going through these miracles of John, and I want to go to the fifth chapter, which this is the third miracle, and it says um, in verse number one, if you want to turn there, uh, if not, we've got a big Bible on the screen behind me, um, and it says, afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the gate, was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds, crowds, everybody say crowds. There's crowds of sick people. Remember, Jesus was moved with compassion when he saw the needs of the people. And so he sees these sick people blind, lame, all sorts of categories and paralyzed. They lay on the porches. Verse number four says that an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease they had. Verse 5, one of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. Everybody say 38 years. It's a long time to be dealing with something. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? You want to be well? You want things to be better? You want to be healed? The man says, I can't. I can't, sir. For I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up. Three things. Stand up. Pick up your mat. And walk. I love that right there. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat. And he began walking. And it tells us this miracle happened on the Sabbath. 
eight miraculous signs that Jesus did in the book of John. I've been going through them. I want to continue with this healing miracle. And here's what I want to say is that these miracles are here to instruct us. Paul told us that the Bible is given to us for an example. And so I don't want to just say, wow, that's amazing. Someone that was paralyzed was healed. This was just for special people a long time ago. But I want us to turn a corner in our church where we begin to see how God works in our lives and how we can bring heaven to earth. That's what Jesus told us to pray is to pray heaven's will be done on earth. And what I want to say about these miracles as we look at them is there are things that happen when we begin, when we see in these scriptures, when we begin to obey, when we begin to do what we can do, God does what he does. And so I, I know that God is sovereign. There's t- things we'll, we'll have questions. We're going to get into heaven and say, Lord, I always had a question about this. But I'll tell you, there is processes by which our prayers are answered, and we're taking a look at that. So I don't want it to just be, okay, that's awesome, this happened, but I want it to be, this is how it's going to happen in my life. I want to raise faith for miracles still happen. How many say amen to that? Amen, amen, amen. You can be seated. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Thank you to the band. Uh, Book of John contains eight, everybody said eight, eight great miracles. They were signs miracles and wonders. And they were signs that were pointing to his power, to his deity. A sign is pointing to something greater than itself. How many know that to be true? Because I think there would have been a moment for each one of these each one of these miracles where maybe you were in the audience when Jesus multiplied the bread and the fish And you're eating this bread and fish, or as Stephen in the devotion called it this week, fish and chips, which I think I would have preferred fish and chips, but I believe it was translated uh, bread and fish. Uh, and, And you're holding this bread and fish, but there was a moment where you stopped looking at the bread and fish and you looked at the bread and fish multiplier. I think there'd have been a moment where you're enjoying the the beautiful weather on the boat after the storm, and you're like, wow, look, the sun cracked through the clouds, and and the rain dried up, and there's no more thunder and lightning. But then after a moment of looking at the, the blue sky, you look at the one that calmed the storm and made the blue sky, because it's a sign that points to something greater than itself because you realize I'm going to eat all of this bread and fish but there's going to be another time where I need blessing and provision and if he blessed me once and provided for me once I want to know where I can go back to you with me I wasn't trying to preach yet I said this I said this each week, but I'll keep saying it, so just bear with me if you heard me say it already. But if people visited Orlando to go to Disney, I don't think anybody, you know whether they have that arch right outside of Disney and it's got Mickey and Goofy and Pluto and everybody else. I don't think anybody stops under the sign and says, We're here, kids. If they do, they're gonna be sorely disappointed. There's no rides, there's no restaurants, there's no pools. There's no food. It's a sign that's pointing to something greater than itself. So don't stop at the sign. But yet so many Christians, they stop at the sign. And they never make it to Jesus. They get out of crisis mode and they stop there. They get a little blessing. like They get a little food and they stop there. And it's like, no, 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 no. It wasn't about the good weather or the multiplied bread and fish. It was about Jesus, the Messiah, my Savior, the Lord of Lords, and the King of Kings that sits on the throne. So it's not the miracle that I worship. It's the miracle worker that I worship. It's not the good weather that I worship. It's the storm calmer that I worship. It's not the fish and the bread that I worship. It's the blesser and the multiplier and the provider, my healer. That's who I worship. Somebody ought to give God a praise right there. So I, I just want to say one more time, in fact, I'll say keep saying it until we're done, but miracles still happen. 
Because if the miracle worker came out of the grave and he's alive and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, how many believe miracles still happen? So I want to raise faith this month that miracles still happen. Now Proverbs says, though a righteous man falls seven times, they will rise again. Proverbs 24, 16. They might fall, but they're going to rise again. And this is not just a promise for somebody that may have had a failure in their life. Although if you do feel like you have fallen from where you once were, this is a promise for your life that by the grace of God, you can rise up again. But in context, if you back up to verse 15, the verse that comes before it, God gives the enemy a warning about messing with his righteous folk. He says, don't look, lurk like a thief near the house of the righteous. Don't plunder their dwelling place. God says, if you attack a righteous person, know this. You better watch your back because they don't stay down. They rise up again. If you try to steal from a righteous family, you better watch your back. You better get out of town because they get back up again. Devil, if you try to knock down a righteous family, you better try to knock them out. Because if you don't knock them out and you just knock them down, they're going to get up back up again. And that's the promise of God's grace. No matter how many times you've been knocked down, God's people have a way of getting up again and again, over and over and again and again and again. And I just want to declare over the church today that the church prevails. No matter what the gates of hell try to do, the church prevails. Through hell, through high water, through bad economies, through recession, the church prevails. Through pandemics, through uncertainties, the church prevails. We might get knocked down, but we rise up again. God's promise is God's people. They do not... Somebody already help me preach. They don't stay down, but they rise again. If Jesus rose up, we can rise up because the power of God is in us. Somebody ought to give God a praise right there. Amen. So maybe somebody says, I feel like it's just been one thing after another. And maybe somebody says, I got seven things coming after me. I got seven ways I got knocked down. That's all right. God's grace is here to lift you up today. You, there is grace to be restored. There is power to be revived. That's what this revival is about. I want you renewed. I want you rejuvenated. I want you restored. If you've been knocked down on your mat, I want you to get back up. I want to tell somebody today, this is not your last chapter. If it's not good, it's not done. Because when God is done, He stands back at the end of the day and He says, it is good. So if it's not a good chapter, it's not your last chapter. Because when God gets done with it, it is good. And you will look back and say, he was with me through every valley, through every mountain, through every twist, through every fall. I got up again. Because you cannot keep a blessed man down. You can't keep a blessed woman down. And if they fall, they will rise up again. So my word is you can rise again. You can recover everything the enemy stole. And even if you feel like you've been knocked down seven times, there is more ahead of you than there is behind you. My faith says that God is not through and that he can do something in this moment right now. My hope tells me that he has a plan. He has a future. My courage tells me that this is not the end. And no matter who's against me, if God is for me, I don't care who's against me. God is for me, and I'm rising up again. And I had to preach that a little bit. Because this man's story in John chapter 5 
tells me he was down for a long time. It's actually a sad figure in the scripture when you think about this man was down on his mat for 38 years. I don't know if you're familiar with boxing, but you can be down on the mat for 10 count. 10 seconds and you're done. This man was down for 38 years on the mat. And I don't know what's got you down today. Maybe it's sin. Maybe it's sickness. Maybe it's condemnation from the enemy. Maybe it's 38 years of addiction. 38 years of frustration. 38 years of offense. Could be 38 years of of trauma. 38 years of knockdowns. 38 years of setbacks. But I don't care if it's been 38 years. One moment with the Lord. One word from Jesus. One miracle encounter. One miracle moment. You can rise up again. And so my title today is How to Rise Up. How do we rise up? I want to raise faith today for your life. For miracles. For things to happen in your life. The first thing I want to give you today as we look at these steps to a miracle, because miracles do still happen, is I want to tell you today, you've got to answer the most important question. Do you want it? Do you believe for it? Is it even possible for me to get up off of this mat? Is it even possible for me to come out of this sin? Is it even possible for me to come out of this pit? You've got to answer the most important question. In chapter, uh, verse number 6, rather, Jesus says, do you want to get well? Do you want to? Do you want this miracle? And, and, and this man has been an invalid for 38 years. He's been on his back for 38 years. He could not walk. He's been a beggar for 38 years. He's been at the mercy of everyone's charity just to get by, just to go to and fro. And now Jesus asks him this question, do you want to get better? And, and, and I, when I first read that, I almost, you almost feel like Jesus is being insensitive, walking up to somebody and saying, do you want to get better? Because we would think that the obvious answer for anyone and everyone in his condition would be yes, of course. But the longer I walk with the Lord, and the longer I live this life, the more I understand that question. And the more I realize that answer is not so obvious. Do you want to be well? Do you want to get out of this? And I realize that Jesus asks me that question a lot. I feel like there's been multiple times when the Lord has asked me, are you content to stay here? Or do you want to travel on? Do you want to get better? Or you just want to stay right here? Do you want to change your situation? Or are you okay to just stay on that mat? Because if you're content... To stay on that mat, he'll let you. Are you content to stay in that mess? Are you content to stay in that pit? Are you content to stop there? I remember the tribe went to Moses and said, we'll just stay on the edge of the promised land. Or are you ready to get out? Are you ready to grow? Are you ready to step out of that? Are you Are you ready to change your situation? Are are you ready to rise up? That's why Jesus said, do you want to be healed? This man does not respond with, yes, of course. Thank you, Lord. I've been waiting and hoping and praying for this day. That's not what he said. He told the Lord, I can't. I can't. You see it in verse 7. I can't, Lord. And maybe that is your honest response today. Jesus wasn't offended by it. He didn't rebuke it. He didn't even bring correction to it. It was like he understood it. And maybe you're here today saying, I can't. My life can't get better. I I can't get up off of this mat. My family can't. My finances can't. My health can't. My emotions can't. This addiction, I I just can't. This this, this chain, I I just can't. This this sin, this thing, I, I just can't. And he embraced an I can't mentality because he was down on his mat for 38 years. 
And I think the way he dealt with it was he just built his own prison saying, I can't. I can't. It's easier to deal with it if I just tell myself I can't. And if we're not careful, the enemy will keep you down for so long that you'll believe his lie. There's no hope for me. There's no healing for me. There's no salvation for me. And he'll put an I can't mentality that walls in and borders your life. But that's why the word of the Lord is so important. That's why this miracle series is so important. Is I want to break through every lie of the enemy that says I can't. And say with God all things are possible. Miracles still happen. Oh, come on, somebody, just a walk with Jesus will change your life. If he says, get up and walk, I can get up and walk. But it's real. There's people in this room that say, I can't forgive what happened. I can't move on from what happened. I can't heal from that wound. I can't serve God after what happened. I can't be loved by God after what I've done. I can't. And this man was down on the mat for so long, he became comfortable with the I can't. But one moment with Jesus means that he begins to expose other areas of your life. It's real hard to just open up this one part to Jesus. Because once he's in here... Yeah. You ever invited somebody over to your house and there was some stuff thrown in the closet? You're just jamming the closet. Like, don't use that bathroom. You can use this bathroom. Don't open that bedroom because we just threw a bunch of stuff in that bedroom. That's fine when you invite me over, but it doesn't work when you invite Jesus in. And I think that's why so many people never get free. Because they want Jesus to address this, but they don't want him to address that, 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 and the other thing. And so many people want Jesus on Sunday, but not on Monday. They want Jesus to heal this, but they don't want to open that from 25 years ago. Or they don't want to open that from 38 years ago. I want you to address this, Lord, but that's in a closet from 38 years ago. And they want to give him Sunday, sure, but not Friday and Saturday. But the only way this thing works is he stands at the door and knocks and says, Will you let me come in and sup with you and me with you? That's why he says, Do you want to be well? Do you really want to be whole? Do you really want to be set free? Do you really want up off the mat? I think that's the question of Jesus to all of us. Do you really want out of the pit? Do you really want me to break that chain? Do you really want me to open that closet? Do you really want me to get in there and do what I do and restore what can be restored and forgive what can be forgiven? Or do you want to stay sealed off and stay down on the mat? But the moment that you say yes to that question is the moment you enact your life to rise up. God asked Adam, where are you? God asked Jacob, who are you? God asked Ezekiel, can dead things live again? He asked this man, do you even want to be healed? And our life is stuck until we answer the most important question. Do you even want it? Do you even believe for it? What was that song we sang? I feel like we sang it last week. Just can you believe for it? Because if most people are honest, the answer is no. I I don't want to do what it takes to get up. I I don't want to do what it takes to open that door. I I don't want to do what it takes to change my friends or to break that addiction or, or to get out of that thing or to fix that relationship. And, and that's why the Lord doesn't even enact the miracle until the man can answer the question, do you even want to be free? Now tell somebody today that's the first step to your miracle. You have to answer that question. Do you even want it? 
you got to tell yourself, I want to be saved. I want out of this sin. I want out of this addiction. I want off out of this mat. I want up out of this pit. I want out of this prison. I want this relationship healed. I want it. And if you're here today and you can't answer that question, or maybe that answer is no, then your homework for today, for this week, is to pray. Lord, if it's your will for me to be saved, let me be saved. And I'll just tell you, it is. (laughs) If you want me to be free, let me be free. Align my heart with your heart. Align my want with your want. Align my will with your will. And if you'll pray that prayer, all of a sudden next week your will will be aligned with his will. And you'll say, yes, Lord, I want to be saved. Yes, Lord, I want to be free. Yes, Lord, I want up out of this pit. Yes, Lord, I want out of this prison. And the moment you decide to rise up, his power is enacted in your life. The second thing I want to tell somebody is don't let anybody else hold you down. He said, don't let anybody else hold you back. He says, I can't, sir, for I have no body, no one, verse 7, to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Somebody always gets there ahead of me. Here's what the man said. He says, I don't have anybody. He says, I don't have the right things in place. I I, I don't have the right opportunities. Somebody else always... Somebody else did this. Somebody else. And Jesus says, do you want to be healed? I don't care what anybody else says. I don't care what anybody else did. Do you want to be healed? And immediately he takes the burden off of himself and he says, well, it's the other people. Because they haven't helped me and they won't lift me up. And they, and they got there before I could get there. No, no. Do you want to be healed? Well, but it's the other. It's, do you want to be healed? Yeah, but this thing happened. Do you want to be healed? Yeah, but when I was a child. Do you want to be healed? Yeah, but I was abused. Do you want to be healed? Somebody put me in this prison. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? There's this set, do you want to be healed? And hear my heart on this. What he said was not untrue. And so many people have stories that are not untrue. Someone did step on them. Someone did push them out of the way. Nobody did help them in their place of need. But if we stay hostage to those things, we will never rise up into all that God has for us. And it's easier when the Lord says, do you, to say, well, but there's this, that, 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 that. But the problem with a blame game is it's a game we will never, ever win. I heard a testimony of a woman of God, and she told this story of, of, of awful abuse when she was a child. And it was done by her own father. And it's the worst kind of abuse you could imagine. I wouldn't even say these things publicly, but it was all spectrums of abuse. And the Lord put a call on her and her family's life to ministry. And every, t- every step of the way, she said she had a hard time doing another step because of what was in her past. And the hurt and the problems and the pain. She said she knew God wanted her to forgive her, her father. She said, I didn't want to forgive him. How many know a lot of the times the things God's calling us to do, we don't want to do? But it was a daily process. It was a process that lived out for years and years and years. And finally, when she was 70 years old and her father was 92, he asked for forgiveness. He apologized. She gave him forgiveness. And if she had waited until she was 70... To be set free, she would have missed out on everything God had for her. And the things that she went through were awful, and we don't minimize them, and we don't overlook them. But at the same time, we look to Jesus 
who is the one that can heal our hearts and heal our hurts and move us beyond the mat that we have made uh, or that we have sat down in. But I just want to tell somebody today, your hurt is real, your pain is real, your trauma is real, but Jesus is the one that can lift you up out of that pain, up out of that hurt. I'm not looking to somebody else to finally make it right. They might not ever make it right. But if Jesus wants to heal me, I look to him. He's my healer. And there's this interesting thing in 1 Samuel 16. Samuel is grieving King Saul. In modern terms, or the old church might say, King Saul was backsliding. He rejected God. He rejected God's plan for his life. He rejected God's calling for his life. And Samuel had anointed Saul. He loved Saul. And now Samuel is so broken because he had poured years of his ministry into this young man. He's watching Saul walk away from him, walk away from God and all the things that God had for him. And here's God's question to Samuel, the old prophet. He says in verse 1, he says, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I've rejected him reigning over Israel? Fill your horn again with oil and go. I'm sending you to Jesse, for I have provided myself a king. Among his sons. In the Hebrew, it's even stronger. The Lord says, How long do you plan or intend to stay in this place of mourning? And when you consider this story, I don't think that God is in a hurry. He just asks the question Samuel, how long do you want to stay in mourning? Samuel, how long do you want to stay down? Samuel, how long do you want to stay in this? How long do you want to live here? It's your choice, Samuel. How long you want to stay here? It's not Saul's choice. It's your choice. It's not anyone else's decision, Samuel. It's yours. It's not about Saul walking away. It's your choice now. It's not about what happened. It's your choice now. God is saying, Samuel, don't let Saul dictate the rest of your life. I know you're in mourning, but I have something better ahead. God says there's a new king. His name's David, and when you're ready, go down to Jesse's house, fill up that horn of oil again, anoint a new young man, because I've already got a plan. In other words, you decide when you move forward with your life. You can step into all God has for you. But it's the moment that you decide to move forward that God's plan is enacted. And the moment that you begin to stand up from that mat, I'll tell you, there's already a plan in place because God is 10 steps ahead of whatever the enemy's done to knock you down. God has a new plan in place. And you have to believe that. Because here's why it's so hard sometimes for us to get up. Is we think if I get up, I might get knocked down again. And that fall, that seven times fall, that seven X fall, it robs us of faith and expectation. And how can I stop mourning Saul? Maybe this would happen to me again. How can I get up off this mat? I might just fall again. But that's why I want you to believe and know that God has something better in place. That's why Jesus said, do you even want to get well? Can you even believe that things will be better? And God did not tell Samuel, stop mourning for Saul. That's not what he said. He didn't say, get over it. He didn't say, toughen up. He didn't say, pull yourself up and get over it. That's not what God said. God said, once you're ready to move on, I have a good plan. I have a hope for you. I have a future for you. That's God's plan for you today. He has a hope for you. He has a future for you. He said, I've got an amazing king ahead. I've got a next king that has the right heart. He is in the lineage of the Messiah. It's a good plan for you. 
And for future generations, I'm not rushing you forward out of mourning, but when you're ready to get up off of that mat, God told Jeremiah the prophet, I know the plan I have for you. It's a plan to prosper you, not to harm you. It's a plan to give you a hope and a plan to give you a future. I want somebody to know today God has a plan to prosper your life. It's a hopeful plan. It's a good plan. It's God's plan. And when you're ready to step into it, God is ready to unfold it in your Life. Somebody ought to give God a praise right there. <laughs> Music come. I, I'm, I'm trying to close today. I'm at 32 minutes. The ice cream is melting. <laughs> I don't even know if they're really ready for us. I might have to add a fourth point. <laughs> I'm teasing. The last thing I want to tell you is you make your move. It's time to make your move. You decide when to make your move. Uh, Jesus tells him, he, he says, stand, he gives him this threefold instruction, and, and I want to focus on that as we close. He tells him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. I, 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 when I started this message, I, those were my three points because they're so rich. Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. But I wanted to camp out in that man's heart and mindset as I began to study the text, and I figured I would just try to wrap this all in and close with it. But he says, stand up. Everybody say, stand up. Don't yet. Don't yet. Don't stand up yet. Everybody say, pick up your mat. And walk. Instantly, the Bible says, this man was healed. How many know miracles can happen instantly? I want to tell you they also happen as you walk. Remember the blind man said, Lord, I'm seeing men as trees walking. Brother Oz. I can always count on Brother Oz to finish my statement. I love that, brother. I love it. I love it. Keep doing it. No, no, keep doing it. Keep doing it. And, and so I was like, all right, let's touch your eyes again. You say, didn't he have power to do it the first? Yes, he did. But he wanted to show us sometimes the miracle happens in the walk. In verse 9, the Greek word for healed, it said instantly the man was healed. The, The Greek word that we translate to get the word healed is therapeo. I wonder if anybody can guess what English word we get from therapeo. You guys get ice cream today. You guys see that just that's what happens. Therapy is a treatment intended for healing. Nobody would go to post-op therapy for no reason. Nobody would go to therapy or counseling for no reason. The intention is for healing. The Bible is telling us there that Jesus brought him in to process of healing, of therapy. And as I understand therapy is the whole point is to get to the root cause of the pain, of the problem, physical, emotional, spiritual, relational, or otherwise. Let's get to the root. And a good therapist will ask questions until they get to the root. Because it's not about the fruit right now, it's about the root. And Jesus got to the root when he asked him, do you even want to be well? Once he answered that question at a root level, we can get to the fruit, which is the miracle. And I think so many people are at that place that say, why am I still bound? Why can I not get free? Why do I keep falling into this? It's because you haven't opened your life to the therapy that Jesus can bring. And there's so much here that I don't have time for, but Jesus came and he, 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 he exposed the flaws with the old covenant. And, and, and the, whole, the whole book of Hebrews is this comparative analysis of where how the old covenant was this way, but the new covenant is better. 
And, and, and the old covenant and, and really religion is all about the fruit. It, it, it's the outside. It's, it's the, I look the part, I'm saying the right thing, I'm doing the right thing. And, and, and they washed their hands and they did the ceremonial things. And Jesus said, you're, you're, you're doing the right stuff on the outside, but your heart's far from me. Everything looks good on the outside, but, but there's a real problem with the root. And, and Jesus' ministry was about getting to the root And if you get to the root, the fruit is a byproduct of the root. So many times we're just dressing up the outside. We never dealt with the root. I'm out here trying to fake the fruit. But Jesus will get you into a Holy Ghost therapy that changes the root. And now there's fruit that's just popping off the vine. Of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, it's all there. Because Jesus dealt with the root. And he'll start uncovering things and walking into things and healing you and addressing and correcting and directing and guiding. And if you'll get up and walk with Jesus, he'll get you into that therapeo from the inside out. And those root issues will cause you to have strength in your life to rise up again. That is the plan of God. And after he dealt with that root, he says, stand up, son. Pick up your mat and walk. The standing is the miracle. That's a miracle moment where you believe God for it. It's that moment where Peter says, I'm stepping out of the boat. It's that moment where he just says, I don't have the strength in my body to stand up. But I want up off of this mat so bad, I'm going to leave the excuses and trust God to give me the power to step onto water or step into a mat, step onto a mat when my legs don't work and I'm leaving this behind. It's a life changing moment that you will never be the same because the question has been answered. Yes, I want to be healed. And then the Lord says, pick up your mat. And I love this. This isn't the only time that Jesus did it. Because you say, why would you take that mat? You don't need it anymore. Why do you have that mat? Well, because I used to need it. Well, why do you have it now? Well, I don't need it anymore because Jesus healed me. But he's carrying that mat around. Because it's a chapter of his story. It's his testimony. It's his miracle. It's a scar, but it told a story of what God did in his life. And I just imagine this man carrying that mat around. And I say, why do you have a mat? So I don't need it anymore. But let me tell you what Jesus did. This thing I'm carrying... It used to carry me, but now Jesus carries me. This thing I'm holding, it used to have a hold on me, but now Jesus has a hold on me. This thing that I have authority over, it used to have authority over me, but Jesus has authority over it all. And I'm telling you my story because of what Jesus has done. That's why Jesus didn't say, leave your mat. He said, keep it. And I just wonder if he passed that down to his kids. And I just wonder if those kids passed it down to their grandkids. And I just wonder if four, five, six generations, they still had that dusty old mat with holes in it. And and termites had ate up some of it. And, and, And they just kept it in a Ziploc somewhere and said, this is who dad used to be. But he was changed, he was healed, he was set free, he was on this mat for 38 years. But when Jesus said, walk, say it with me all over this house. And and I don't think I'm in position to say which of the three 
is the most important command, but I'll say my favorite one is walking. A lot of people stand up. A lot of people pick up their mat. But it's about finishing this thing. It's about walking this walk. The scripture tells us, Woe to the one that walks alone. For when he falls, he has nobody to help him up again. I started this out saying, The righteous man might fall, but they get up again. But the scripture tells us, watch out if you're walking alone. Because you want somebody to lift you up. And it's in that walk that there's therapeo. It's in that walk that he keeps perfecting the saints. I'm thankful for the ING on that verse, that he's perfecting the saints. He's not done with me yet, but it's in the walk. It's in one foot in front of the other. It's as I keep walking this thing out, there's more healing for me. There's more grace for me. There's more strength for me. There's more therapeo. There's more things I'm leaving behind. There's more things I'm walking into. There's more, there's more grace. There's more strength. There's more blessing. There's more anointing. There's more provision as I keep walking this thing out. So my prayer for you today is you'll keep walking and you'll find somebody to walk with. And that's my appeal today for the life groups is that you'll walk. I'm looking at folks today that have been brought out of so many things, been picked up out of a lot of things, been saved out of a lot of things. And the command for us is to just keep walking. Keep walking. Keep walking. I wonder if you bow your head, close your eyes today all over this house. Wherever you're at on this thing, I wonder if you just answer that question. Lord, I want to be well. I want to be better. I want to be saved. I want to walk out of some things. I want to be lifted up out of some things. I want to rise up out of my mat. I wonder if somebody in the house today just needs to be reminded of their testimony. Maybe they laid that mat down a while ago and they forget. It's easy to forget all the good things God's done for me. But Lord, I want to remember what you saved me from. I want to remember what you brought me out of. I want to remember the things that you lifted me from. And I always want that mat to be within arm's reach just to remember, Lord, you've done so many good things in my life. My prayer for all this house today is that we'll walk. We'll walk ever close to him. We'll walk ever closer in his house, to his house, and with the good people that he's given to us in this house. And I pray it today in Jesus' name. How many said amen, amen, amen? Give give to God a great praise all over the house. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Share this message with a friend, and don't forget to hit subscribe. See you next time.